Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hello, Cove Church. Uh, So great to be with you today. My name is Aaron. I get to be a pastor here and uh, just excited to be able to share with you about uh, some things that God is doing in our midst today. I'll start with a story, which I'm often uh, partial to do. I've only been lost once in my life. Uh, I remember it was in high school. Uh, Some friends of mine, uh, they wanted to go to the river. They were a couple, he he had a cousin. And so they're like, "Let's, let's show this person the river. And we went to a spot that I had grown up fishing. I was very familiar with that section of river. It was, I knew it really like the back of my hand. And so uh, with this cousin that they brought along, I, I decided I would take her to show her some of the places along the river. I did that, showed her these places along the river, all these back roads and trails. And as that was happening, it began to get dark out. And I'm still showing trails and places in different spots, and it got darker. And as we began, in my mind, to return back to, to where we had started, I got disoriented. I didn't know which way I was supposed to head. I turned down one road and I didn't recognize what was going on. And again, it's getting darker and darker and darker. And and inside, I didn't want this person to know because they're from out of town, but I didn't want them to know we could be in some trouble here. We're we're just out here in in the boonies and I I don't really know where we are. Uh, But I tried to keep, you know, keep it cool. Hey, isn't this great? We're just out here in the woods. And, and, but I started to get really concerned. All I could imagine was, you know, people eventually discovering just a set of skeletons there on the side of the road. That would be us because I got us lost. And it was as it got very, very dark uh, to where you could not easily see one step in front of the other. It was then that I noticed the light. And I thought, well, light means civilization. I guess I'll head that way. So we headed towards the light. And as we found ourselves eventually underneath that light, that light was actually in the very place that my friends had parked their car, the very place that we had started out. It was that light that led us home. I was so grateful that someone had left a light on for us. More than anything else for our church here, Cove Church, is our hope is that we would be a place that leaves the light on for a person who wants to make their way back to God. That that we would be a place of that kind of light because every person matters. That we would provide a, a safe pathway to the feet of Jesus. And you might say, well, isn't that, you know, like every church's mission, isn't that kind of how they roll? And and I'd say, yes, I I believe it, it is. But without knowing it, I think sometimes churches end up communicating something very different to our world. I think without meaning to, our churches will posture themselves with a welcome sign in one hand and a stone in the other. Come, you're welcome here. Oh, yeah, everybody's welcome here. Oh, yes, you're welcome here. Get a little closer, get a little closer, a little closer. Here comes the stone. Yes, come in just as you are, absolutely. But once you're inside, we're going to call you out. We're going to put you in the town square. We're going to make sure you know how you're not measuring up as though there's a catch 
in the love of God that you'll eventually find out. Now, that doesn't mean that in this relationship with God that, that we don't change. No, discipleship means it's going to cost us our very lives. We're going to give everything in this. But this invitation from God is for every life, every person. And so I don't know why that sense of the welcome sign with a stone finds its way into churches, because I don't see that reflected in the way of Jesus when you read his words, when you see how he interacted, it's not his value system. And, and it's really Christ's values that Christ's followers should reflect. And so if that's not happening, guess who gets to change? We do. So in this series that we begin today, we're going to look at the five values of Cove Church. And in doing so, we're going to discover the truth of God's word that lies beneath those values. That it's because of who Jesus is that we actually do what we do. And we want everyone to see that, to understand that. We, we want you to know what this place is really all about. See, God's word is what we're called to bring. But our values determine how we bring it. And the first value we look at today is really where it all begins. Value number one, human value. We believe that every human being is immensely valuable to God and to us. Period. No addendum, no disclaimer, no qualifier. That's it. That God's starting point with people is the Imago Dei, that we are all made in the image of God. As Pastor Joy talked about last week, this, this, this mark of God in our lives, that every person is valuable because they are God's creation, and God made us originally good. He called that creation good. The, this is the God who knew you before your, your parents lit candles and played Barry White, which I don't want to think about what happened after that, but, but you know what I mean. God knew you before that. The God who formed you with all your perfect imperfections, your uniqueness, your quirkiness, your specific role and call. That God who makes only that which is good. That God made you. And, and he celebrated you as he did. Now, certainly we are flawed by sin and brokenness. All of us can see that. But we still carry the mark of the divine. That is the imago Dei. But our problem is we want to turn that into the imago do. I'm valuable because of what I do for God. My accomplishments, my abilities, my strengths, my works, all good things, yet none of it has anything to do with my worth to God. My worth is not found in what I make. My worth is found in my maker. That is, and will always be, our starting point as a church. Because that is God's starting point. That's why we will often, if you're ever on campus here, we will often start our services saying, no matter what you look like, no matter where you come from, no matter what your life has been, Today is a day you can experience the love of Jesus for yourself. 
Those aren't platitudes. That is the Imago Dei. I mean, just think about all the diversity that comes through the, the doors of this place on a weekend, or all the, the diversity of those who are watching online every week, from, from the, the white-collared professional to the person who's just out of prison, from those who are battling mental illness to, to those who are treating mental illness. There's some in our midst who have been divorced, some who have been married for decades, some are liberal, some are conservative, some are meditarian, some are vegan, some are vegetarian, some are lacto-vegetarian, some are pescatarian, vegan, flexitarian, vegan before 6 p.m. That's a real thing. I looked it up. Old, young, black, white, brown, clear. Grew up in church for some, never been in church for others. Grew up Muslim, grew up Baha'i, grew up Catholic. The Church of Latter-day, the Church of NASCAR. You name the background. You name the differences. Yet there is one commonality that rises above them all. One thread that runs between all of us. The Imago Dei the image of God. So our starting point at Cove Church is whoever you are, you are still God's child, which means then you are my brother or my sister. So you have a value to God that is without equal. And as, our, as a church, our hope is to actually treat you that way to the best of our ability knowing that in our brokenness, we at times, we will mess that up. We'll, we'll be flawed in that. But still, this is what we are attempting, what we're reaching to do. We, we talk in times of this idea of accepting Jesus, which is so important, asking Jesus to be in charge of my life, giving Jesus the steering wheel of my life. But that event is preceded by the understanding that Christ first accepted us. Did he accept our sin? No, he died for our sin. He died for that. He hates our sin because it hurts us, yet he accepts us as sinners. He embraces us as sinners. And then you might say, well, am, am I a sinner? Am I that? I mean, sure, I have flaws, but I'm probably, you know, 80% good. You know, I got to be at least 80%. I'm B, B plus range, and, and certainly more good than bad. Certainly better than most people I know. Maybe that's what you would say. So the question becomes, well, is that enough? Is that enough? I mean, you tell me. Let's say you're making a, a chocolate milkshake, a, a wonderful food, and you've got it in the blender. You've got the ice cream. You've got the milk. You've got the, the chocolate syrup. You blend that up. It's all going really well. And then you just put in a small amount of cat poop, just a little. No more than 1% to 2% cat poop. You just blend that right in there. The question is, do you want to drink that now? It's just a little poop. It's mostly good. It's like 99% good. What's the problem? No takers? <laughs> Why? Because a small amount affected all of it. That's how sin works. Sin affects everything. The Bible speaks of sin like this small thing that grows and violates the whole. James says it, it starts small and it grows into death. I don't know what your good, bad percentage is. 
I'm sure it's probably better than mine, but I know one thing to be true. None of us are without sin. Because only one person, one man, one can make that claim. His name is Jesus. And so it's there amidst my sin that Jesus shows up. Meaning that now, because of Jesus, we can know God, not because of our goodness, but because of his. That Jesus decided to love us and to make love possible. That is the value we are given by Christ. So how do we see that lived out in Scripture? So many ways. But today we will experience that value from three interactions with Jesus that are found in the book of Matthew. And uh, these interactions will reveal the value that Christ places on all of us. And here's the first thing I point out. We see our value in Christ's calling. We see our value in Christ's calling. Matthew 9, 9. Let's read it together right where you are. Big voices go. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. This first interaction is at the tax collector's table, the tax collector's booth. Now, let me tell you a little something about tax collectors in that day. They were seen as the worst of every person. They were seen as sellouts to Rome. They were seen as government hacks. They were seen as legal extortionists. The tax collector to the folks of that day were the worst of sinners. They were actually working for the conquering empire. They got rich by cheating their own people, which meant if the empire wanted them to collect 10, they would charge 20 and pocket the rest. That's how Matthew, the tax collector, was seen. And that is who Matthew was. And Jesus shows up. And what does that tax collector hear from Jesus? Two words. Follow me. He's called by Christ right then, right there. His calling came before his compliance, right? He was sitting there being a tax collector, meaning Jesus wanted him on his team even before he knew how to play the game. And the same is true for us. This is part of Christ's value on us, that we are called by Christ even before we're committed to Christ. Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. We see purpose and calling even before we were born. Which means then, we've got to learn how to encounter people differently, to actually gauge each other differently. Instead of judging where you are today, we approach you first by understanding whose you have always been. That you are God's child. When you walk into Cove Church and when you experience a service, we don't see you just as you are. We see you as God called you to be. We see you as part of God's redemptive plan. We see you with a purpose and a hope that is found in him. And all of that is in place 
before we share a word together, before you do anything to prove your competence, we understand that you are called. I mean, we do this with our kids, right, as we raise them. We, we see the possibility when they're little, when they're growing up. You know, you see the little kid with the hairbrush microphone. We're like, oh, you're going to be a great singer. We see the kid with the, the toy oven. Oh, you're going to be an amazing chef one day. See, see the kid playing with, with baking soda and, and vinegar. Oh, you're going to be a scientist. Yeah, see how it bubbles up. Oh, you're going to be a scientist. See the kid who tricks their siblings into doing chores. Oh, you're going to be a con man. We, we see it in them. <laughs> they don't have much competency yet, but we know they have a calling. That's how Jesus operates with us. In this passage, a sinner experienced God's call while he was still in the seat of a sinner. And it's there that Jesus calls Matthew. Jesus is saying, even though you are far from me, even though you are perhaps the worst of sinners, I'm calling you. Jesus didn't express this calling after Matthew had come to him and said, hey, by the way, Jesus, just letting you know I've changed some things in my life. I'm not a tax collector anymore. I've, I've given that up. I've given back the money, all the money I stole. I've given it back. I've shaved my head. I want to be a monk. He didn't do that. No, follow me was said while Matthew was still a tax collector. The call was resident, not earned. The value was inherent, not added. That's how Jesus sees us. That's part of our value in him. But there is this cool thing about Matthew's response to that invitation. He gets up from the table. He moves. Jesus' calling is established here, but Matthew does something different in order to walk in that calling. Our problem is, is we can hear the call of Jesus, but then we can end up just staying in the booth. <laughs> we can choose to just, I'm never going to walk into that new life. I hear the call, but I'm just going to stay here. So the question for us is, knowing that Jesus is calling you, what do you have to walk away from? What do you have to walk away from today? He's calling you today. What do you have to walk away from? Is it that broken view of sexuality? Is it that greed, that threat of greed in your life? Is it selfishness? Is it unforgiveness, addiction, stubbornness, empty ambition, control, fear, anger? What do you have to leave in your past in order to follow Jesus into your future? Would you leave the booth? Because we will always leave stuff to follow Christ. Matthew here, he, he clocks out, doesn't he? <laughs> he leaves the booth. To follow Christ, he left something. He died to something. The same is true for us. Christ values us in his call, but we value Christ in our response to that call because we see our value in Christ's calling. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. We see our value in Christ's community. 
in Christ's community. Matthew 9, 10 through 11. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus decides to have dinner at Matthew's house. Matthew was a wealthy man. He probably had a really nice house. He probably had the best hummus in town. This is where you wanted to go have dinner. And also invited to this dinner are Matthew's friends, who are a bunch of scoundrels just like him, a bunch of tax collectors. Now, the religious folks are like, whoa, the teacher is eating with the rabble with the sinners. Now this was huge because to have a meal in that culture was among the most intimate things you could do with a person. This moved you in relationship from distant to close, from acquaintance to friend. This was extremely relational. It was, it was, it was like if you've ever done fondue. Ever. Fondue was a thing. It used to be. I don't know if they do it much anymore, but it's like, you know, it's, it's cheese and bread and there's a cheese sauce and it's heated around the table and you all gather around the table and you put your, your, your bread in the cheese or you put, there's like lukewarm oil that you're supposed to put meat into, which is the grossest thing you could ever do, but people do it and it's a way to do fondue. But then there's the chocolate sauce, which is great. It's hot chocolate sauce and you put the fruit in there and that's amazing. And you're sharing this meal together, your, your bread is swimming in the same cheese with their bread. And your fruit is swimming in the same chocolate with the other people's fruit. It's all there. It's relationship. It's connection. My food is swimming with your food. You're sharing this experience. There's a shared closeness there. It brings you together. In the same way, those who dined together in Jesus' day, it was the same kind of experience. They, they had low tables. No one had a plate. The only containers were the ones that the, the food was being served in. So you grabbed your food out of the same bowl. You literally shared the meal. So to eat together in that culture was among the highest forms of relationship. And here Jesus eats with the lowest of sinners, the worst of the worst, tax collectors. They weren't reformed tax collectors. They weren't sinners in recovery. They were straight up right now. I just ripped off a nice family right before I got here. Sinners. Welcome to Cove Church. Hopefully not the ripoff part, but it's possible. A place where sinners are invited to dine with Jesus. That's this place. That's what Jesus wants for us. This is our community, and it's built around one person, Jesus. See, I think this is why our world struggles so much with unity because it thinks the way we get close to each other is to think the same way. That's the only way we can be close to each other. But Jesus says we get close to each other when we draw close to him. Because if you're close, if you're close to Jesus and I'm close to Jesus, we are in that moment close to each other. That is the community of Christ. With Jesus, the worst of the worst, they experienced community with him. He made room for them in his life. 
you may notice here at Cove Church that we don't do all we do just for church people. Um, we love church people, but, but that's not our only audience because that was never Jesus' only audience. See, religion about God makes it all about what I want, but relationship with God makes it about what God wants. And here's what God wants. It's Isaiah 61. Jesus quoted it to tell people who he was. God wants this. The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prison to those who are bound. Which means this church... This community of faith will include the poor and the brokenhearted and those bound in captivity. And for some of us, we're all three of those. And Jesus says, you are a part of this community. In fact, you're why I came. Jesus connected to sinners at a deep level, ate with them, and it seems like that should be what comes out of us too, just fellow sinners. We recognize here at Cove Church that whether you are following Jesus right now or not, Jesus still longs to connect with you. Yes, you, right where you are, whether he's in your life or not, he still longs to connect with you. So some of what we do here then is not pointed at church people. Why? Because Jesus died for all people. So we're going to do some things to let that person that feels like the outsider know that they can be an insider here. We're going to make sure that people belong first, even before they become. There was a, a story of a man, he was standing in front of the bathroom mirror, and he, he was uh, admiring his reflection. And he was thinking he was looking pretty good, and so he decided to pose the following question to his wife of 20 years. And it was this question, Honey, will, will, will you still love me when I'm old and fat and bald? And without hesitation, she replied, Of course, sweetie. I've been doing that for the last five years. <laughs> Jesus loves us, bald spots and all. And there's a seat at the table for all of us because Jesus invites all people to himself. We can belong with him and in that we can belong with each other. Sometimes I think we think church is supposed to be kind of like the island of Atlantis, you know, where perfect people get together in perfect places and they just act perfect together. Guess what? That's not God's church. You know what God's church actually is? God's church is the island of misfit toys, a very different island, where Jesus says, I want you, even if you feel unworthy, even if you don't have it all together, even if you've never belonged anywhere else, you belong with me. And he says, would you meet me today? no matter what your week has looked like, no matter what your life has looked like, Jesus says there's still a place for you in this community. We see our value in Christ's community. That's the second thing. Here's the last thing. We see our value in Christ's clinic. In Christ's clinic. Matthew 9, 12 to 13. 
Big voices, go. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So in response to this question of, of why Jesus gets so close to sinners, and why Jesus would allow them to be his friends, he responds saying, it's only the sick that need the doctor. Now, for starters, I would just say this. I don't like going to the doctor. I don't know about you, but I do not enjoy going to the doctor. In fact, I, I went to the doctor a little while ago, and they'd actually taken me off of their rolls because I hadn't been there for so long. They said, oh, I wouldn't even think you were a patient anymore because I hadn't been there in so long. I'm like, no, I'm still alive. I'm still here. Um, but that's how, how little I go to the doctor. I, I don't like going to the doctor. I don't like waiting rooms. They tend to have a lot of sick people there. Um, I, I certainly don't like the gowns they make you wear. I mean, for all the money that you pay to a doctor, you think they could give you like a whole gown, like a gap-free gown? I don't know why you don't get a whole gown. It's, you know, it's a little drafty. And uh, the examination table is strange to me. I mean, whose idea was it to take people who are concerned that they're going to die due to an illness and to set them up on butcher paper while you talk to them? Like they could just keel over, you could just wrap them up and just stamp them, you know, grade A and you know, ship them out if you wanted to. USDA Prime going out the door. So, uh, I mean, I know it's planning ahead, but, but, but still, <laughs> none of that is fun for me. So although I know I don't like going to the doctor, there are times when I need to go to the doctor, when I have to admit that I can't get well on my own. That is our ongoing reality when it comes to the sickness of sin. I can't fix myself. The, this concept out there that I am just basically a good person is simply not true. Why? Because I know me. Romans tells us that we are all sinners in need of rescue. And that's so important for this reason. If I don't realize that I'm a sinner, I will never look for the Savior. See, see, yes, when God created us, he created us good, but sin has brought this, this level of darkness into our lives, and that is the problem. The sickness is inherent within us. So I get to admit that I'm in need, which is what made these tax collectors and these sinners far closer to God than the Pharisees and the priests and the religious ones, because the religious could only see their righteousness but these sinners could actually see the righteousness of God. He was standing in front of them, and they could see how far they were from that righteousness. Religion asks us to rely on our own sacrifice, but Jesus asks us to rely on his sacrifice. And it's there, in that doctor's examination room with Jesus. It's there in Christ's clinic that the sick are made well. The question is, are we willing to be examined? Are we willing to admit our own need? 
I think we're often willing to do whatever it takes to make someone else get well, right? Oh, we'll do whatever it takes. Parents do everything when their kids are sick to, to, to help them. They'll, they'll take them to the hospital and they'll go into great debt to make sure they get all the care they need. But will we be willing to say, I'm in need. I am sick with sin. Because here Jesus tells us we've got to admit first that we are sick. We must admit our own need. And in that moment, something amazing happens. We begin to experience true healing from the inside out. Cove Church, this community, is a place for those who know they are sick, who know they need help, who know they need grace, who know they need transformation, that here it's okay to not be okay. And guess what? We will never mature beyond that. Here in this church, we refuse to pretend that any of us is something that we're not. We are simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. That's this place. But guess what? There is food. The bread of life is here. His name is Jesus. And he's waiting for us to quit trying to make it on our own. Waiting for us to admit our need and to be accepted into the ranks of those under the great physician's care. What an astounding love. What a worth we have in Christ because we see our value in Christ's clinic. I'll wrap up with this. Um, years ago when we lived in Redmond for a season, I, I bought a scooter to get um, to my office back and forth. I had this little office that was part of an insurance company. I didn't sell insurance, but he let me rent an office from them. So I would, I would get this little scooter. It's like a Spider-Man scooter. Um, if you know what his looks like, that's what mine looked like. And I would, I would go on this little scooter uh, to work. And I had this, this black bowling ball helmet, this huge round, like old. I got it at a thrift store. And so it was just a big round helmet and and open face and uh and I would cruise on the scooter and I thought the scooter was so fun so I couldn't help it anywhere I went I would just be smiling just like yeah you know I was just so excited to be on the scooter it was so fun and uh and I thought you know now that I've got a scooter I'm, I'm like in the club with the motorcycle people you know I figured I I'm it were pretty much the same two wheels you know we're, we're in the same club and so I noticed with the motorcycle people, when they waved to each other, they would do this motorcycle wave, which was this low wave. They'd go by each other, and it was just like this. It was really cool, the low wave. And so when I would see a motorcycle person, I was like, we're in the same club. And so I would give them the low wave. And strikingly, they never gave me the low wave back. I, thought, I found that odd. Somehow, what was being communicated to me is you're not quite in our club. Maybe it was because I didn't have gears, I don't know. But still, I wasn't in the club. And that was communicated very strongly to me. Churches can be the same way. Churches can say to other people, yeah, you're okay, but you're not quite there. Here at Cove, the value that God places on you is our starting point. And that value is immeasurable. That value, it costs God's son everything. 
You are worth so much. And that's a value that each of us carries, which means that here you belong first, and then we become together. That's what disciples do. We are changed by Christ. But here's the truth. Before Christ changes us, Christ chooses us. My biography is actually in place before my biology. God reaches out to us first. He starts it, which means each of us has a place with God if we would simply reach back to him. Maybe you've forgotten that God does have a calling on your life. Maybe you thought you've just fallen too far to experience that. Guess what? God calls sinners. There's a place for you. Maybe you felt like you could never be good enough to earn God's love. Good news, you don't have to. His love is a gift. He eats with sinners. He invites us to the table with him. There's a place for you. Maybe today you realize you just can't do this on your own and you really need a doctor because like me, you're realizing I really am a sinner. Welcome to the club. And guess what? Jesus heals the sick. There's a place for you. So our way at Cove Church begins with this. You are immensely valuable to God and to us. So let's live out that value together. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.